This is Ashley Barnes with the Spirits Group, and this is the Cast Chasers Podcast. Awesome. So we are here with a very special guest, Ashley Barnes, master blender, co-founder of the Spirits Group, all around fantastic, uh, fantastic experience in the industry. So we want to give a welcome to Ashley. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. So I know we have a whole range of things that we want to get into uh, with you on this podcast, um, but maybe you could kind of get us teed up. You could share a little bit with us about your background and how you got into especially the quality control work that you've been doing. I mean, I know if if I had thought that this was a career path when I was back in college, I probably would have been a little bit more serious about a biology degree, but, you know, that ship sailed. So <laughs> so how did you get into what you do? <laughs> yeah, so fun story, I guess. I always wanted to be a veterinarian, so I never really thought about anything else. Like, that was the game plan. It was the only thing I ever wanted to do. But God in life had a little bit of a different plan for me. And I went to school. I figured I grew up in the middle of nowhere in South Central Kentucky. We were 30 minutes from town, which means 30 minutes from a gas station, just to give you an idea of how far out I grew up. Loved it and would still be that far out if I could. I knew that I didn't really like a whole lot of chemistry, Um, I enjoyed more of the biology side of it, so I focused on agriculture and biology. In my senior year of college, as I was applying to vet school, I had an accident at a dog kennel that changed my perspective on life and what I was going to do. I could no longer really feasibly be a veterinarian. And so I, I took a step back. I finished my bachelor's and worked on a master's in molecular biochemistry biochemistry and the molecular biology department kind of, I never finished it. It was really cool. I worked uh, with traumatic brain injuries and like um, Alzheimer's and some down syndrome type like brain stuff. So it was really cool. But that led me into the pharmaceutical world, which is not very fun. <laughs> so I was, it sounds like a blast from there. It was horrible. <laughs> so bad. Oh no. I mean, people enjoy it, but it, I didn't like being in a concrete room with like no windows and super secret writing all these tests on very lethal chemicals in their raw form. Yeah, yeah, not. It sounds like you're a normal <laughs> no, person. I need to see. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I need to see outside. I need to see people and animals and green things. So I uh, got a call from a headhunter asking to interview for a distillery. And I was like, and quality control was a position. It was quality control technician. And I was like, okay, so booze or drugs? (laughs) One second shift, one third shift? Hey. (laughs) I mean, they both sound fun, but uh, at that point, (laughs) at that point, I did not know who the distillery was or anything. I had multiple interviews, phone interview, I think even before I found out where it was. I narrowed it down to like the Lawrenceburg, Frankfurt area, ended up being Buffalo Trace. 
And in one of my interviews was a tasting interview. And at this point, I just thought I was picky. I had no clue that I actually was just tasting things differently. And so I thought I failed the tasting interview, but apparently I did really well and learned there that I had a unique palate. Took the job with Buffalo Trace, learned any and everything I could. I, re- I worked second shift, so all the processing, bottling lines, running, so all the quality control off the lines, starting and stopping the lines, making sure there weren't any, you know, we've been running gin and now we need to run vodka, make sure there's no gin in the line. Really honing the ability to taste those subtle inconsistencies or subtle variations in the liquid um, as the product's running off the line. Of course, I got to work with Drew there, and at that time, Chris Fletcher was there. Wow. Learned all kinds of things about blending. That was where I cut my teeth. The analytical chemist in me was super excited about all of that side of the blending, but then just tasting and blending and creating. Uh, we did the very first Stag Junior when I was there. Of course, the antique collection the whole time I was there. Um, got to work on those projects. Elmer T's commemorative. I did get to meet Elmer T a couple of times before he passed, but I was there during that time. So creating that blend to really hone in what he wanted in his whiskey, you know, just learning that for the first time was so interesting. I'm so grateful. Still enjoy running into Drew today. And of course, Chris, I'm good friends with him. Uh, Four Roses, again, headhunter called me and said, hey, I've got a management position. I was like, well, here we go. Left, ended up leaving Buffalo Trace and went to Four Roses, focused solely on whiskey, which was really cool for me because that's where my passion was. Brent and I were the only two quality people. And of course, at that time we had Jim. I went there in 2014 and started tasting distillate really intently for the first time. Of course, we had the yeast codes, and the mash bills, we had 10 distinct different products that were all bourbon coming off the still, and they all had their own subtle differences and being able to taste that every day, learn what to look for. Of course, they've been doing it 200 years. There weren't many Mm -hmm. faults in that whiskey. (laughs) But if you've ever heard Jim talk, you've heard him talk about do it right the first time. Make sure you get it right going in. At no point should that be offensive or should it be bad. So I really took that to heart and started learning, well, what could go wrong? If I taste something, what do I need to be looking for? So I started doing a lot of research and things there. Of course, we did um, inventory and profiling there. Most everywhere does that. But I really got into it at Four Roses, looking at it at four years old, saying, all right, I haven't seen this since it was a newborn going into the barrel. Now I've got a four-year-old. Where are we going to be in six, eight, ten plus years? And working alongside Brent, really learning how to anticipate how maturate is going to age. And just did that for almost five years till to the December 2018. And I had met Monica like the year before and we became fast friends judging American craft spirits. She actually came through my lab at Four Roses and I didn't know her. I knew it was a group from, she was there with a group from Benny's kind of showing them around and she put my name in the hat for ACSA to be a whiskey judge. I mean, the rest is history. We got together. We decided, Hey, I I was looking for more. And she was like, I'm consulting in the craft world. We could really use your experience and your expertise. 
and the spirits group was born. I would adore to have a drink with you and at the same time be super intimidated to have a drink with you. <laughs> like I would drink it and I would look at you like, do I it's like so this? <laughs> Does she like this? Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, cheers. <laughs> there it is. I would, I, I, I think there's, we there try to, we try to talk to a, oh, people well. about the depth of whiskey and we don't want to get too complex and, and, you know, pedantic, I guess we want people just to just have pour a glass and enjoy it and for what they want. But we also want them to hear that depth, that deeper side of it. You know, someone like you with a significant palate can taste and, and find these little finite things in the whiskey that it's missing or it needs, or there's too much of that's a biological skill. I don't think you can even teach that. I don't, I don't know that there's a school for that. I think that is so impressive and needed. I just want to know if you felt like a superhero when you were going through that interview, that was a tasting interview. And, you know, obviously this record of, of chemistry and the analytic side and all the certifications there, but I mean, you, you can't learn to have a unique palate like that. So what was that moment of discovery like for you? Honestly, it was terrifying. <laughs> so, you know, you go through school and my grandfather was a district judge. So we had like etiquette classes. No one teaches you how to use a spittoon in front of a potential boss. Like straight up cowboy spittoon. Yeah, the patine. But at least, <laughs> oh, yeah. at least you like, know to spit. I would have been drinking the entire time as we go. So did I get it or not? That's true. That's what he would do. <laughs> did I get this job or not? I got to go. Well, and that was a question in my mind too. Like if I don't spit, what are they going to think? <laughs> but if I do spit and I've got like drool rolling yeah. down my chin. If I spit the wrong look? way, like I don't like it. Am right. I going to offend them? Right. That's, that's great. But now you judge. I mean, you are, yeah. you're the one that people are looking at now going, Oh my God, I hope she likes it. Or hates his or hers or whatever. What does that world look like? I mean, that's essentially what quality control is too. It's making sure the product is, you know, appropriate for the line and for that, you know, to go out to the, to the public, but it's also a form of judging. I mean, your whole world is around, is this good enough? Tell me about that pressure. I guess I never looked at it as pressure. You're welcome. I just like, I want this. It doesn't, it's just like, I want this to be the best it can be. And whatever it takes to get it there is what I'm going to do. And I look at it as a challenge. You know, I'm looking for things. Okay, does this have any little inconsistency that might make it not good enough? And, you know, now that I'm a consultant and I work with multiple brands, if my name is going on that brand, you better bet it's going to be good. <laughs> when I'm, you know, got my judging hat on and I've done that multiple times, I did it just couple weeks ago with a client, I was sitting in a room, they were wanting me to select what proof to bottle this expression at. And I said, I'm going to put my judging hat on here and tell you that your feedback on 102 proof is going to be totally different than your feedback on 90 proof because the, the liquid just doesn't express well um, for two totally different reasons. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy about judging the different levels of the different competitions is I get to give that feedback to the distiller or the producer or the brand. Hey, maybe you should look at some other proof options. This blend might be a little disjointed and, you know, look at a way to maybe blend those together a little better. Or this is why I'm giving you a bronze instead of a silver, those types of things. So I also, as a mom, I always think of my, okay, I've got someone's baby here. So I want to, I want to, 
give them that critical feedback in a way that I would want someone to tell my son, Hey, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Compliment sandwich it. <laughs> do, do, do you so see, do, do you find that distillers, whoever are fairly receptive to that sort of criticism or is it like anything else? Like some of them take it really well and then some of them get offended. Like is, I think it's just, you just hit the nail on the head. Some take it quite well and they're like, Hey, I know what I know and I know what I don't. And you're the expert and I want your help. And the others say, well, my CFO or my CEO or whoever, my board of directors, whatever said, we need help. So I'm here because they said I have to be here. Mm. And so you really have the gamut. And then you, you add the fact that I'm a young female, you know, some people are just not receptive to that and it's okay. You know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea and that's okay. I think you have some pretty good accolades built up behind what you're saying, though, which is is fun to see. If you came in and told me my whiskey was trash, I'd start over in a new job. That's that's (laughs) everything down first. We respect (laughs) your level of depth. Okay, so I work at McDonald's now. Uh, Oh, good. So I'm done with this. Okay, cool. (laughs) No, that's good. That's good that you know there's people that looking at it as feedback. I mean, you are someone. I mean, you're in the industry, respected, and overall, you know known and qualified. So I would think if you're judging or you're, you're doing the quality control piece or you're, you know, you're in a distillery, get, you know, helping them out through their process. That's why you should be there because you are somebody of the know. You have that unique palette that the interview proved right from the very beginning and then continuous. But then also you're there to make them a better product in the long run. I, your story is so interesting to me because I think, and then you brought up, you know, being a young female, our friends at we were talking, we were interviewing our friend from Pender and uh, Whiskey um, out of Wales. And uh, I say Wales funny. I'm from Texas. Um, I don't know if I said that or not. So. Out, of, out of Wales. So I don't have an accent, but then it comes out and it just sounds stupid. So anyway, it just, it just peeks its head out. And people are like, I don't know what he's trying to say. I'll edit all that. Anyway, so he was telling us about hiring his team. And they essentially have a all-female distillery team. And someone came to him and said, you know, we'd like to write a piece about you. Um, it's amazing, all dis- all female distillery. And they look back and they go, oh, I guess we do. We didn't realize it. They were just the best people for the job. And part of their process of hiring wasn't, they didn't weren't looking for whiskey people. They were looking for people that had a palate. They were looking for people who could be passionate behind how some the art and how something could taste or how something could be complex. And that's what they wanted. And they're probably making some of the best stuff out there. So I think there's something to be said about having somebody that just simply has raw talent or skill set and ability and passion behind what they do. So, you know, bravo on that. But um, so you're with these massive, these small, no name distilleries. No, I'm kidding. These massive <laughs> distilleries. I mean, that in itself, there's there's an you know, I hate to keep throwing the word around, you know, intimidation, but Buffalo Trace, Four Roses, those are monsters, monsters. How, what does that day-to-day look like? I mean, you're at the beginning a little fish in a big pond, yet you killed it, and here you are now. Can you talk about what that – I know you talked about it a little bit, but that the in-depth, the, the, the ebb and flow, I guess. So, well, fun fact about me is I really never paid attention to whiskey or brands or anything prior to this job. And so to me, I was like, okay, Buffalo Trace is just another place to work. It didn't, and even when I was there, it didn't come across as this huge deal. Now that I mentioned, hey, I worked there, to me, it's just another place that worked. 
Mm, and everybody else but yeah, is like, Whoa. it's kind of an awesome yeah, place that I absolutely. worked. Yeah. And I don't know if there's something broke up here or <laughs> what, but same thing with Four Roses. It's just another place I worked. It was like, you know, I cut my teeth at Bu- Buffalo Trace. I'm so grateful my, for my time there. I was exposed to so many different things, and that's how I look at it. And even when I was there, my biggest thing was being – I'm from Casey County, Kentucky, which is a little bitty town. You're like two stoplights. <laughs> I didn't want to be in Frankfurt because it was too big of a city. <laughs> that was my my little fish in the big pond thing. I was like, I can't live here. This is too big. So I moved to Lawrenceburg and quickly found out that was still too big for me, but it worked. <laughs> so I just, yeah, it never even occurred to me, honestly. That's amazing that you don't even consider that you're just there to do the job. I mean. Yeah. And I think, I think the job that you do, especially on the, the QC side, there's, there's a certain purity, right? That just comes from the scientific aspect of how this stuff is made. And, you know, one of the things I'm curious about is, if you can kind of bypass some of the things that make conversation or make progressing in a certain industry complicated because they're more subjective and just get to the black and white data points and just kind of speak objectively about what you know, which is a lot. I mean, that can just like clear a path for people. So it's, it's kind of a cool angle that you were able to mm-hmm. come into it. Yeah. I think my ability to think of things more analytically you know, extract myself and look at the situation for what it was, both quality, both, you know, well, this is what we need to do, but we needed, no matter how frustrating it can be, get do steps A, B, and C to get there. And we have to do that to get the best product possible and just extract my personal feelings from that. I think that really helped me. Um, You know, if I'm, Tasting gin at five o'clock in the morning at Buffalo Trace off the line, whether I like gin or not, I still got to taste it and I got to look for certain things in it. So I I really had to be able to extract from that. I'm not a huge gin drinker. I actually don't really drink outside of work, period. But I mean, if you taste whiskey all day, you really don't want to sit and sip on it as much at night. Sure. So, so yeah, I think that was a big thing. And, you know, we talked about, y'all talked about, the distillery that had the all female, you know, team, just females in general have a more developed palate than men. We see more it. colors and we it's taste science. more things. It's, it's, there's, there's, I mean, with that, there's still the whole genetic thing. I've seen some, fe- some women distillers that, man, if try could get them that really unique honed in palate, they would have a million times over be so much better than I could ever dream of being. But they just didn't genetically have it. My wife, I mean, we drink whiskey together all the time because um, we're raging alcoholics. But <laughs> you no, know, because but I'll lean into her sometimes and I'll just ask her, you know, what do you taste? What do you get from this? And she'll open up thoughts in flavors that I didn't see or or, or taste before, and it just adds to that, you know. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things uh, since I've joined the podcast, there have been so many women that have come up to me and said, hey, I never would have thought of sharing the notes that I'm getting from this whiskey because I'm afraid of sounding wrong or out of place. And then when you say something ridiculous, as these guys can attest to me saying, it's <laughs> if nothing else, it opens up a conversation, which is something I didn't anticipate happening, but I'm so grateful to see. Well, and I'd like to 
have you real quick, yeah. Ashley, just sort of speak yeah. to that because off, often, you know, especially people, you know, just getting into whiskey, a, a lot of the people that we talk to that we're trying, we're just trying to connect them with people in the whiskey world to get more information and all of that. And what we often tell people that are just getting into it, Hey, you know, it doesn't matter what you taste, you know, what you taste is what you taste. You know, if you like it, great. If you can identify something, great. But for someone like you, like that's literally your job is, you know, no, the, I need this to taste more walnutty, you know? So if you wouldn't mind, could you just sort of speak to our, our listeners, our community about sort of developing your palate? Because a lot of them are like, man, I don't know how you're getting that. I mean, it, it tastes like whiskey, maybe a little vanilla, but like, how, how are you getting it? If you could just sort of talk about if someone knows nothing coming just blank, blank slate into whiskey, really wants to get into it more, wh- what do you do? How do you, how do you come up with, That's you know, a good question? Yeah. Those sort of things. I love doing those dinners too. Um, I like to bring things in that people wouldn't think about. So think a yogurt covered raisin. You can get vanilla, creamy, mouthfeel. You get the raisin, so you get the depth and you get a little bit of layer. But most everybody's had a yogurt covered raisin at some point in their life. So just having people, I would absolutely recommend grabbing little things like that. Going to your spikes cabinet and actually smelling. So how many times have you guys gone and actually smelled what nutmeg smells like or clove? A whole clove versus a ground clove, totally different. So when I'm doing these, I do a lot of sensory trainings with all of my clients, but I also, you know, we do dinners and trainings for just anybody. Um, We've done a few for some auction type things even, and that's what I'll do. I'll have a whole clove and a ground clove and some cinnamon, maybe some coriander. Uh, we've used the dried apricots, chewing tobacco, like the old kind that's twisted around that's really sweet smelling or pipe tobacco, and actually put those items in front of people. And the best thing you can do is smell everything. You pop. Walking down the road, smell the magnolias, smell morning glories, honeysuckles. Actually smell them. Don't just, ah, oh, well, that scent over at Bath and Body Works. <laughs> it, that's kind of what it smells like. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. That's what we've created it to smell like. But if you go actually smell it, then you start to smell and experience a whiskey. You add a couple drops and then, oh, wow, there's that actual honeysuckle that I smelled over on the vine. And then I pulled out the little middle part and tasted it. Wow, that's what honeysuckle is. I ate so many honeysuckles growing up. I mean, like we were working in the garden and that's what we would go. That was our little snack. 52. That's how many I can eat. So in In a single setting. At 14, I could eat 52. (laughs) I remember I got sick and I was like, top it. No one has since. I'm not saying I won an award. I'm just saying it's Cast Chaser's Honeysuckle Challenge. Just saying. Do you you find yourself. It's a pretty good number. Yeah, it's strong. It's strong. Find first off, find fifty-two honeysuckles on a one bush. It's a, it's impossible. So it was a it was a good summer. Everything was great. It worked out. Do you find yourself tasting foods and you know you're eating a meal? Are you that person at Thanksgiving that you're taking that bite and they're like she's just thinking about the spite? Like, do you go? Do you zoom into everything? That sensory part of you is it heightened now? to everything around you. And I mean that in a good way. I, I would, I think I would appreciate that. Like whiskey yeah. spidey senses. Almost, yeah. 
too much nutmeg yeah. in this pie. Just Absolutely. if everybody needs to know. It is. I definitely do it. I try to turn it off as much as I can, but it's impossible. I actually, funny story, just this week, I made chili and we've been doing a very like clean eating, healthy transition in our household. And I had some ground lamb and I made it with ground lamb. I actually couldn't eat it because one of the flavors just was too, it was off. I couldn't do it. And I was like, I've got this big old pot of chili that I made. My family loved it. And they're like, oh, it tastes just like beef. It's so good. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It smells different. It tastes different. It's so different. And so, yeah, I see that a lot. And I'm pretty sure for the most part, my family doesn't even realize what I do exactly. <laughs> They're still kind of like, you know, you could go to pharmacy school. So you Ashley's still an that. alcoholic. Don't if y'all need to know. <laughs> no, I, you're a scientist. That's what you are. You're a scientist. I mean, I one of the things, and I think we want to get into a tasting in a little bit, but I, I want to get one thing if I can. There's that. It reminded me. We had um, Lisa Wicker on not too long ago, and she talked about raw materials and how important that is and knowing that product. And I think we talk about sensory. It's a good segue into what the materials that are going in. And she said something that was kind of curious to me. She talked about corn that's stored versus fresh corn. And those are small pieces that come into a product that can kind of change it or make it a little bit better. Is that a big part of the flavor profile? For Can you actually taste if the product was bad. I mean, obviously there's a bad taste, but at that, at that, again, that finite level, how important is that raw material piece to that final product? It is crucial. I mean, Lisa, Lisa's talked about it. You know, if that grain has been stored for a long time, maybe there was a slow leak in that roof. Well, now you might have this teeny tiny spot, you know, maybe an inch in diameter, if that of a little bit of mold that snuck in. And you'd think, well, that's not going to be significant in a full silo full of corn, but it absolutely will ruin an entire batch or two until that is completely gutted and cleaned. You know, it is, we're talking like the smallest of almost, I'd say probably in the like hundreds of parts per million or even below when you start to get that. Because the human nose and palate is able to sense, and I don't know the human threshold for mold um, off the top of my head, but it's super low. And then you get someone like myself or Lisa's got a great palate as well. We're going to detect it even more. So it absolutely plays a role. Um, Just even in, I'm actually working on a single malt with a client that we're adjusting and tweaking the mash bill right now so that we can get certain flavors that we want in the matcher. And so each individual grain, how long it's been, you know, if it comes in and it sits there for three weeks, Versus if it comes in and we use it immediately, you can tell some subtle differences. Flavors aren't quite as bright. Um, They might be a little muffled. We might have a little off notes or maybe the yield isn't what it's expected. I've had them call and say, hey, our yield was this with the previous mash bill. But now we're like, we barely made any changes and our yield isn't as much. But maybe the corn has set or the malt has set. And there's so many things that go into that. And then once you run it through the distillation process, then it just amplifies it. Mm. You know, it takes that little microscopic thing and just blows it up. And even more people can detect it. One of the things, I got to add this to my list of things to research, but 
I'm curious if the more evolved or sophisticated female palate is just like going back to hunter gatherer times, right? Like you have to be able to sense what's right, what's not, because if something like that's going into your family, like that's <laughs> their, their well being or their illness based on what you're feeding them is, is tied up into it. So I don't know if you any, know anything about that. I think that's a really, I don't, but it <laughs> seems completely perfectly like makes so much sense. I mean, I buy it. Because you're true. You need, you know, it's better if you can smell it instead of, you know, taste it. Right. And someone like kills over. Oops. <laughs> Guys, that theory just started here. I'm all, no, I'm not writing a paper on this, but pretend I did. <laughs> it, it, it would I be believe an impressive it. paper. I'm going to tell everybody that. So Excellent. I, if, if you don't mind, Ashley, I'd, I'd like to do something a little bit fun, fun for us anyway. Um, so we've got a little bit of Four Roses small batch that Katie actually bought for the podcast when she first came on board. Celebratory. That we've been, that we've been we don't have much it's left. It's mostly gone. We don't have much left. Um, okay. But if, if you... Um, w- if you wouldn't mind just maybe from memory, if you don't have any with you, um, just sort of talking us through it. I, say, I don't think I do. It's okay if you don't. Uh, yeah. The only four roses I have is limited edition. and Of course. It. Okay. Well, let me go get that real quick. I don't have it. <laughs> no, but uh, even if, even if it's, if it's just talk, you know, talking us through working on the four roses products in general. Yeah. So and just sort of what you're looking can for. Can I go yeah, yeah. a little deeper into that? Yes. So we do tastings, like I said, and is there any cool lingo that we can start throwing out that makes us sound a we, little more? We want to be cool like you. We want to sound a little more. And then, so I'll give you an example. I remember watching an interview with uh, Peggy No Stevens where somebody said, I talked about this before, somebody said, oh, it's citrusy. And she's like, well, what kind of citrus, honey? And that's the, you know, the, that next level depth. What can we say so we're talking four roses. We're doing a pairing. We're talking about you know the the quintessential. We throw it out every time. There's the bourbon. So there's mm-hmm. the there's the uh, there's the, the vanilla, molasses, the, the vanilla, molasses, yeah. a little bit of oak. What's that next level sound like when you come in? I'm sure it's all kinds of parts per million, and I can't say that. I'll freak everybody out. <laughs> but give us some hints. Give us some things that we can say yeah. to make ourselves more um, hireable. <laughs> no, like, like if you if, if, if you're if you're if 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 you were leading a tasting, um, regardless of whether we tricked her into consulting that's right. us. <laughs> that's right. The bills. There's the no show. Um, There's no show. But uh, if you were if you were leading leading somebody in a tasting of a, we just happen to have the Four Roses small batch, and they and they start they were saying, oh, you know, I taste you know vanilla, like all the stuff that you're gonna taste in a bourbon. You know, they they taste your vanilla. Mm-hmm. I taste oak, and they're not getting much deeper than there. What what are you gonna uh, say to them? to sort of, you know, enhance that. Yeah. Enhance it, step it up, make them think about something else maybe. So, you know, you guys, I read a little bit about your, your podcast and you talk about the chase. So sipping a bourbon or sipping a whiskey is for me about the memory. What memory does that evoke? Every bourbon or whiskey, it is made to be drank. It is not made to sit on a shelf. For example, I said, I've got Al's 50th. And as you can see, it is well loved. Actually, That's beautiful. Yeah, oh I can touch Brent's signature. You know, I'd never. Open we that. drink our whiskey around here. Good. So I have one that's also an open that Al signed to me. But when this is gone, we'll start drinking on that. But almost every one of these that are gone have been a toast to the birth of our son. So beautiful. That's where I like to start people. I like to start them with let's let's see if this can take you back. 
So small, we'll talk, we'll talk small batch. I'll dust some cobwebs off. <laughs> um, so it's been a minute, but you know, you've got the O and the K yeast. The O yeast is very rich and fruity and you're talking like dried red berries. So maybe some dried strawberries. Think special K cereal, pull that strawberry out. Um, well, some that's, that's amazing to me. Richer, and like combining that with the comments about like the, the yogurt covered nuts that you can try to expand your palate. And all of a sudden bourbon seems a lot more accessible. I'm already right? blown away. <laughs> Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, you're totally fine. So, you know, you bet, Oh, mash bill or that, Oh, yeast is going to bring in those rich notes. Um, think candied pecans. You've got some cinnamon, clove, nutmeg in there. They're spiced. You've got the warm pecan and that nuttiness to it. That's going to come in there from those O codes. Then you've got the K yeast that plays to the raw spice. So that's going to provide a little more herbal spice. So we've got some baking spices going. We're, we're starting to sense those. Maybe a little cinnamon coming in there, but it's not the in-your-face burn red hot cinnamon. It's like Cinnabon cinnamon. <laughs> a little bit of that icing in there. K is going to bring forward a little more of that spice. Um, maybe lighten it up a little bit, a little more nutmeg and a little more clove than the cinnamon. It's also going to bring some herbal notes. Think toasted oak, you know, when you first light a fire. I know it's cold there. It's freezing cold here. I've got like half an inch of ice outside. And, you know, when my husband first lights the fireplace in the morning, that toasted oak, that very first smell, you know, you're going to get some of that coming in there with the herbal notes on the K. And then combine that, those two things together, and you really start to see the complexities that come into the small batch. So I like to think of as a whole, you put all that in a bowl, mix it up, you get like a, a cherry cobbler or yes. my grandmother's wow. strawberry pie. She liked to put a little cinnamon in the mm. in that somewhere. And it's an experience. It, it takes you back. You start to really pick apart those flavors on the nose, on the palate, on the finish. I like to spend time with my bourbon. I like it. I like a long finish. Um, I've been told that's my signature. I didn't realize I had one of those, but a lot of the things I blend have a long finish. And it's because I like to spend time with it and I like it to evolve on the palate. And if it takes ba- takes me back to summers with my grandmother eating her strawberry pie or specifically Four Roses has an OBSK. So the B is the high rye mash, OBSQ, not the OBSK. I'm looking at my notes here. Um, the Q is more of a floral and when you get the right batch and the right barrel, it is a magnolia blossom on the nose, just sweet summer, springtime in Kentucky on the nose. And then the palate comes in with like a sweet pipe, tobacco, dried red berries, raisiny. And it reminds me of my grandfather smoking a pipe sitting by a stove. And that is my favorite four roses. You, you know, combination obsq and if i see one out as a store pick i pick it every single time because that experience is something i will never have again wow i think mom no mom still has the magnolia tree it's just not as vibrant as i remember (laughs) it so like a memory that's that was emotional i'm like jumping out of my seat right now Ashley, I love what you were talking about with the memory of it, because I swear to God, the first time that we 
we tasted the small batch together. Um, I had picked it up because it was in listening to season one of the Cast Chasers podcast. The small batch, the four rows of small batch, was like one of the first whiskeys where I heard the guys just unanimously dive in and and have an emotional response that was just based on like friendship and enjoying the drink with each other. So I was like, okay, well, this will be a good good way to kick off season two. Let's just evoke some nostalgia here. So I, I picked up the bottle and um, actually had not tried it before that myself. So my first time tasting is it tasting it was with Bobby and Aaron, and my first sip was like being transported back into my great aunt's kitchen in West Virginia where we would make um, hardtack candy together the first Sunday in every December. Yes. And like the combination of every single flavor note that you just mentioned, I mean, we would do things that were a little bit more on like the cherry side and the fruit flavor, the clove allspice thing, that punched me in the face, not in an unpleasant way, but it immediately evoked those memories of being in the kitchen right when the flavor's going in with like the, the carrot syrup and the sugar. And it's just like, like a mushroom cloud of scent that comes out of it. And you have to open the window to let it all blend and aerate through. So I I love Mm -hmm. the nostalgia and the comfort you get as you experience the bourbon and in your tasting experience. I, I, the memory piece is so important to me and the nostalgia piece is so important. You know, one of the reasons I love Four Roses so much is because now it's kind of even more complex and double layered. It was one of the first whiskeys we had with our, our first director and producer, Scott. And then, you know, Scott left to go take on the editor role and consulting role with us. And we brought Katie aboard and as our new director, and then she brought it and it just kind of compiled that Four Roses experience. So, you know, I think of like Kalila is another example. I had the Kalila 12 year in Scotland in the Highlands for the first time. I don't want to say it's such a complex whiskey. It's really, it's, it's a, I don't, I hate to use the word basic because that degrades it. It's just not, you know, your typical wow whiskey. But for me, it's important, and it is wow, because it had a memory behind it. There was an emotion behind it. There was a feeling, and it just tastes good. So now those whiskeys mean something more to me, and you hit the nail on the head. There's Memory takes such a – if you drink whiskey with friends, you drink it in the right time, you sit around a fire, and you tell stories, and you laugh – this four roses because of our conversation with you is only going to taste better now because, Hey, remember we had it on the show with uh, Ash. There's more there. There's more depth there. And we appreciate that memory. I'm a psych major. So I'm telling you right now, your brain will tell you what to like and what not to like on a deeper level than you think it will. And that's based off memory. And also you just, you just, uh, led a tasting with us here without having the bottle in front of you. And it was better than any tasting that I've ever And we're stealing all of it. We're taking all of that information and we're going (laughs) to verbatim say it next time we're doing a tasting. I, we can't invite you to any of our tastings because you'll be like, wait a second. (laughs) Wait, I said that. (laughs) Seems vaguely, vaguely familiar. These guys, these, no, that, that was deep. That was amazing. Thank you. But, you know, that's how I approach anything when I'm talking with a client. So I also, I have my hands in a lot of things, apparently. Kind of just took a step step back and was like, whoa, how much stuff am I doing? So I do barrel recommendations with a Cooper Edge. So I have a lot of conversations with people who are fix, getting ready to purchase barrels and, you know, what their stave seasoning level should be 
or what their toes should be or their char. And I, instead of just asking blank questions, I have a conversation. I'm like, well, what do you want out of this? Do you want to remember your grandpa smoking a pipe by a fire? Or do you want to remember running through the fields as a kid? Um, and so I have a little questionnaire they just kind of send out. And then if they want to have a conversation with me, we can. But that part always gets left blank. And then once we start talking, I'm like, that's where that goes. Like you want someone to experience your whiskey because that's also what's going to bring them back. It's great to have a wonderful marketing story, but if you can really start to evoke some emotion with that and like, it's your own, I'm talking about my grandpa and my grandma or our, my husband at our wedding. We, I will always tell the story with four roses. We, I was working at four roses. And so instead of having a unity candle, we had a unity flask, I guess, Get so out of we here. Each, we're going to have a code of four roses and, and blend it. Yeah. And that was going to be our unity in the first year. Anytime we got in a fight, we were going to sip out of it. It didn't last long. <laughs> but we we're, we're not just stealing tasting fight. ideas from this. <laughs> Hold on. Their joke landed for it's a second. Because like, I obviously... <laughs> <laughs> I obviously wanted OBSQ, but he like put his finger on his nose first. So he technically got it. Ah. But the only reason we're doing this is because of what I do for a living. I should get it. <laughs> right, right. I was like, fine, whatever. Oh my so we gosh. did OBSQ and OBSO. And so we, we keep a flask, but we blended that. And it was just either one of those codes these days, if we see it out now, to me, that's where it takes me was that, pre-marriage like fight over who was going to get to be able to pour OBSQ in the flask at our wedding. I say this with all the love in my heart. You guys are such nerds in the best of ways. <laughs> yeah. like, Good that's nerds. fantastic. We'll meet, we meet a lot of whiskey people and what we do. Um, we don't know how to make whiskey. So we decided to talk about it. And We're super it. good at drinking it. And we can drink it, it and we can talk to people about it. And that's kind of the two things we do the best. So we meet a lot of whiskey people, and my favorite are the nerds. The, the I'm talking. <laughs> Patrick Heist is he, he comes on every now and again, oh, and yes. we love him to death. That's the face. That's the that's yeah. the Patrick Heist face. The one you oh yeah. you're like it's, it's a thing. He can help me haul hay, and then you hear him talk, and you're like, no, he can reconstruct a DNA code of a <laughs> it's, of the hay. You know what I mean. <laughs> So people and you fall in that group. So it, it, we do our research before we invite a guest on and we 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 try to give our listeners the best whiskey experience, things that we believe in. We never bring a brand on. We don't buy into. Um, we're lucky that we get a lot of whiskey sent to us and things like that. But from distilleries all over the place, we don't buy into all of them. So we don't talk about all of them. We truly we have integrity with that, I think. And I think I commend us if I'm patting ourselves on the back there. And then we meet people like you who are out there killing. And I, I there's a part of this I want to know. I want to say, is this did did Ashley Barnes touch this? Because I won't drink it if she didn't. And I think not that I'm going to go down. <laughs> my liquor store guy will be like, "What, dude? Just buy it." <laughs> but I, I'm just saying that we really appreciate people like you that are out there that are making it better and the story behind it because it needs to taste good. It needs to be scientific and nerdy. But then it also needs to have a story. It needs to have yeah. passion. There it needs, needs to be, be depth. personalized, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you know, store picks and barrel picks and and things like that. People love that stuff because there's something special about it and warm about it. And then knowing and then hearing you, you know, they're going to go out and 
our listeners are going to say, well, now I like Four Roses a little better. Now, well, they already like Buffalo Trace because <laughs> it's a cult. But anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to say it's pretty yummy. But, you know. It is yummy. It's good, it, too. Yeah, it's I, good I love too. Buffalo yeah, Trace. Yummy cult. <laughs> so, so on that, it, there's a lot of, and I, I know that you you do a lot with the American Craft Spirits Association, and I know craft spirits is kind of a, is new movement the safe, a safe word? New movement? I know brewery, you know, kind of came up and went. I would say the, the craft, craft movement Craft is in kind general. of newer, right? Yeah. So with the new craft movement, and we are friends with a lot of local craft brewer, or distilleries, and they've kind of piggybacked off the brewery side of things, and it's becoming a thing. What are your opinions on these new distilleries? Because here's my thought on them. I, I, I give them all the respect and love in the world because they have to be better or different or unique because they have so much competition out there from the big guys, from the local guy. They have to have a story. They have to have a, a flavor. They have to have a profile. And they kind of need people like you to come in and say, okay, how are you going to be different than that person down the road? And what are you going to do that's unique or better? What is your experience with that world of new age craft whiskeys? So there's two stories I need to tell you guys about Love that it. really fit both of those. And tie, one of them ties four roses back in. So the first one we'll go with is the, the brewery thing. So a lot of new distilleries are leaning on the breweries. They may not have room or space to do their own fermentations. So they're relying on them to ferment for them. And I have a client, um, actually pursuit distilling out in Washington that has done this so expertly that it's blowing my mind personally, but they've partnered with several of the craft brewers and are distilling the mash and now have three and four year old, you know, some aged spirit and I'm blending it for them. And so we're now releasing I think they've released a couple like single barrels, but we're releasing bigger batches that are pairing with some craft beer. And I think that is the best way to do it in that same breath. I've been on phone calls and zoom calls with some of those brewery owners. Like, Hey, if we're going to do this, I know you've got 20 different malts in this and that might work great for a beer, but for a, a whiskey, we need to pair that back because you got too many chiefs and not enough Indians in there. Mm. Nobody is going to be able to shine and you want to highlight these flavors and you want to build on them. But if you've got 15 things screaming, Hey, look at me, you really lose all of it. And so for those newer distillery breweries coming online, that's one of my number one, you know, recommendations is let's look at your mash bill is, is it simple? Is it straightforward? Or do you have a lot going on with, you know, if you want to use a really unique malt in your, in your mash, that's great. But then pair it with something that's a little more neutral so that that uniqueness can truly come through and you can highlight it and have something unique and different and stand out amongst the crowd. Because what we see all too often is, all these really cool, unique malts and chocolate malt or a Pilsner malt, this and that, but it's all in the same thing. And it's, it's just like I handed my son some box of crayons and said, here, have fun. And they just went. And it's beautiful. (laughs) And it's beautiful because he made it and it's so special to me. I would pay a million dollars for it, but the guy down the street probably isn't going to. (laughs) 
That makes all the sense in the world, actually. So I think that's, yeah. you know, it's because this is this is their kid. But then the other one that that touches on that as well is you have these new guys starting up that are knowledgeable in that I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And rather than taking a chance on on trying to do something I don't know, I'm going to hire a consultant. Whether it be me, whether it be someone else, my business partner is a genius when it comes to creating barrel models and forecasting and all the financials. I'm blown away every time I hear her talk about it. And I, I, we would not be where we are without her. I mean, that's just, she's genius. So to have that experience and know how to project and say, Hey, here's where you're at. Here's you where you want to be standard growth. You're going to need this many barrels of this many things. And you probably should source this. If you want to keep this trend, like, when people come to us and they talk to her, they're like, wow, I never thought of that. Now that's why you bring a consultant in. And then that business grows and grows and grows and does so much better just by admitting, Hey, I don't know it. And I will be the first to say, you don't want me doing your financials. (laughs) I can do math, but that doesn't mean I'm good at financials. And so kind of the story with that is Pennington uh, distillery out of Nashville, Davidson reserve. When I was working with Four Roses in my first probably month, two months there, um, I don't, did Jeff come? I think Jeff may have came. There was a crew from Pennington that came up to Four Roses, sat down with Brent, Jim, and myself, and we talked yeast all afternoon. And that was before they distilled their very first whiskey. Four years later, I left Four Roses, started this consultancy and I have been blending their whiskey ever since. Mm. So they knew enough to know, hey, let's go talk to all the people who are experts. I'm sure they talked with Pat back in the day. They talked with Jim. They talked with me. They talked with anyone. And the, the guy who started, Jeff Pennington and his wife, they were um, distributors. They actually worked for competing distributors, uh, one of which uh, she sold Sazerac and I think he sold like beam. So it was just kind of funny, but they knew enough about couple. the industry and who to talk to. Oh, there's so much fun. There's just such great people. Um, so that, but that- they knew, Hey, let's go talk to the experts before we do our very first mash. And it's so funny because I didn't quite remember it. Or at least I don't remember it in the detail that Carter and the guys do at Pennington. And they were like, you were the one who could taste all the things. I'm like, okay. Yeah, sure. Of course, <laughs> I was when hired I started me. consulting. I was like, who are these people? <laughs> yeah, they're like, we don't want anyone else. We want you to blend our whiskey. We came out with our Davidson Reserve. Tennessee whiskey was the first four-year-old whiskey in Tennessee, you know, since Jack. It's awesome. We've got a full lineup. That's actually what I'm sipping on is our Genesis, which is a special release, limited release every year. So that brings me to a question but that I think just is knowing that. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say yeah. that that brings me to a question I think is going to feed into some of Aaron's questions that he had about the spirits group. I mean, we've talked a little bit about how important it is to personalize your whiskey and create a product that lends itself into a memory, nostalgia, an experience that really enhances the tasting experience. And we've talked a little bit about the the expertise of trying to balance out between flavors, especially 
uh, you know, in light of some of the newer trends in the industry with craft breweries, craft distilleries. So my question is, how often when you're consulting with a client, do you find yourself kind of building off of their rough knowledge versus blowing their mind and talking about these things that maybe they haven't considered? Yeah. I always start with what they know. Like, how can we improve upon it? Here's what you're doing. So maybe if we did X, Y, Z, we could get a little better yield or, Hey, we're running this still pretty hot. And maybe if we backed off of it, we could get some larger congeners over that are going to last a lot longer and do a lot more in the barrel. So I always think it's good to have those conversations. And I am not one, sorry, she's, chewing on everything for, for those of you that are not from doing that for those of you that and, are not one of the three of us um <laughs> ashley ha- ashley has a dog in her lap while attacking she's attacking her an adorable a- dog. attacking her with all of the love in the world i want to paint the picture a little deeper <laughs> ashley is violently being attacked by a dog and she's continuing <laughs> the interview as if it's not happening a, a vicious vicious dog that while wants to give her whiskey. all the kisses <laughs> there's a lot of blood <laughs> that face. That's the yes, cutest dog. It's so vicious. That Aww. is the cutest dog I've ever seen. Look at that. She's, she is. She's a little terror when she's not asleep. So to prevent her from knocking over valuable whiskey bottles, she's, safer, <laughs> she's gonna be right here. All right. So Ashley's Ashley's so, sitting um, here talking to us, and I I I just glossing over some stuff like, oh yeah, you know, the Davidson Reserve from Pennington Distilling and this sort of thing. Davidson Reserve 2020 voted best Tennessee whiskey at the San Francisco World Spirits competition. Like, and that's, that, that, that is, that is a, a, that's big, you know, to win best Tennessee whiskey. Oh yeah, you know, working on Davidson lucky Reserve. Gold. Yeah, you know, or you, luck, luck, lucky seven. Right, lucky seven gold. Uh, yeah. Gold for just overall gold. Is that what lucky seven was? Oh, let's see. Double gold. Um, double gold. Double gold at ADI. Yeah, we got gold at San Francisco last year with our twelve-year-old to hold up. Um, 12 year old single barrel just won gold at 2021 world whiskeys, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. Just found out about that a couple days ago. Yeah. What, I, what I love is how humble yeah, we've, the everybody is that we have people on our show, people like you who are amazing and, you know, really kill it in this industry. I mean, people that are known in the industry and they're so humble. They're like, yeah, I make okay whiskey. I'm like, dude, you won, you won double gold. You, no, you're not just okay. You Ashley, you're killing it out there, right. killing it. So I, th- I, I wanted to, thank you. I wanted to just step out and say that all these, all these brands and expressions that Ashley's like, oh, and this one and on that one, the accolades, accolades <laughs> left and right for all of these. Um, I did want to ask just if you could, and and you you've done it a little bit, just you know, re- referring to uh, to mm-hmm. the spir- the spirits group. If you could just real quick, just tell us w- what it is that the spirits group does for those that are maybe not, you know, not a distiller <laughs> that are, that are listening to us that, you know, don't haven't done, you know, our research, what does the spirits group do and why is that important to the, to the whiskey industry, to distillers, etc. So Monica and I started the spirits group in 2018, 2017, somewhere around in there. I don't know. I had a kid during there, so it gets fuzzy. Um, so we are a consulting firm that customizes in both new and established distilleries and brands. So we come in, like I, said, like I mentioned, my business partner is Monica Wolf. She's been around the 
um, industry for a while. She worked with her father um, consulting uh, at Wolf Consults, which is her father's Richard Wolf. And he still consults and does amazing things kind of on the business and financial side. Because if you don't have that squared away, any magical things we do on the distilling and production side kind of fall to the wayside if that's not square. So she's been working with him, had seen, you know, the need for the quality control, the blending and the sensory. So she and I joined forces to cover that. Well, as we started working and seeing more and more distilleries come up or brands saying, hey, I want to start building my distillery. Uh, we met Heath. Heath Towery uh, formerly worked with Vitalk, which is an amazing engineering firm. It's done multiple projects on, on big guys, but also on the brewery side. So we, we spoke about craft distillers and craft brewers kind of making that transition and doing that. He, he comes in as a distillery engineer or, yeah. Oh, sorry. Revert that. Heath, <laughs> I got his title wrong. I never get it right. Um, Probably because he, he has so many acronyms. As a distillery <laughs> specialist. Yep. <laughs> and he can, you know, if it's from, hey, we're doing really good, but we want to expand, look at the system and the space and be able to expand that out from the engineering standpoint. What size still do we need? What size fermenters do we need? How does that need to be put in? So he and I work really closely in a lot of ways in that capacity of, okay, we're building this new facility. We've got a small bottling line here, but we really need to work on the flow and how does that affect the flavor profile or we need some quality control measures for this new distillery I've been working on and then I'll come in. So he's really like, he and Monica handle the first very beginning baby ideas and distilleries and brands. And then, you know, of course, Monica and I work together for, for brands. People who come to us and say, Hey, I've got an idea. I really have been working hard. I've got this much capital. Here's where I am on the packaging, but I'd like to source. So Monica and I, you know, Monica's a, the genius at finding some really cool barrels and then I get to play with them and blend them and make some pretty cool stuff. Um, one of, one of our clients, two worlds whiskey, Ashley Donahue is Louisville native and she lives in Paris, France. And she's like, I'm so tired of all these French people who, who don't appreciate what a great bourbon is. So there was the idea and we released Two Worlds Whiskey, the first edition, in March um, of this year. And it won Best American Whiskey at World of Whiskeys, I think, this year as well. That's awesome. So it, it's you all should look it up. It's got an amazing story behind it about the French and American Alliance and just and so, that was such Two a Worlds cool Whiskey? project. Yeah, I, I literally just pulled yes. up the website. I'm I'm looking at it now, and I'm creating a uh, a favorite so I can go in and, and look at it. So yeah, absolutely. You weren't kidding though, Ashley, when you said and that I you had your hands on so many things. It. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'm also working with a bottling hall. So so tell us this. So because so, yeah. you, I, I mean, this conversation. I feel like we could get another three episodes out of this conversation if we were to go into. Let's Everything. do it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Recording marathon. <laughs> Book but, it. 
For, for the people that want to start learning more about you, learning about all of the different things that you've had your hands in, whether we're talking about Davidson or Davidson's Reserve, Lucky 7, award-winning whiskey, the two worlds whiskey that you just were talking about with us, um, what's the best way for people to look you up on social media and get in touch with you? So the best way is Instagram, and it's at Ashley underscore Barnes, TSG, and the Spirits Group just at the spirits group on Instagram. I am on Facebook is just Ashley Barnes and the spirits groups on Facebook as well. We're probably more active on Instagram than Facebook, but we also, our website is the spirits We've got all of our bios, all of our emails are up there. Phone numbers. You can give us a call. Um, we love talking to people, <laughs> you know, sharing, sharing and talking and, always new things going on. Uh, you can also reach my business partner at just Monica underscore wolf. And then I think an additional underscore on Instagram and she's on Facebook as well. So Instagram, Facebook for you, for Monica wolf, for the spirits group. Um, we're definitely going to be staying in touch, especially if we get a chance to sync up in person and do this again, because this has been exceptional. So thank you so much. And feel free to bring the puppy with you, by the way. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You can have her. She's my husband's. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to do this in person and do an actual, like, taste through some of the products that I've worked on. It's it's a lot of fun. Awesome. You've been amazing. Honestly, it's... Come here. Come here. And can I... I just want to say something. There's another dog. (laughs) Sorry. There was another dog. I got excited. Look at that thing's eyes. Oh my God. They're beautiful. beautiful. Can I can I say something on the on the on the um on the ship of amazing um, amazement? Yeah, ship of amazement. Ship of amazement. How much have you had? All of it. <laughs> we killed the four roses small batch bottle that we had that Katie brought with her when she first came aboard with us as kind of a sub- celebratory bottle. Mm-hmm. And we finished it with um, Ashley Barnes on our show. Oh, so that's what's up. You know what I mean? Yay. That's cool. I mean, it's just stuff like that's neat. You're so. signing this bottle when we see you in person. That's what's happening. All right. That'll do it for us today, Cast Chasers. Make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Cast Chasers. Also online at www.castchasers.org or drop us a note at podcast at castchasers.org. Until then, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram, it's all in the chase. 